Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Thank you very much, Rich. Um, I can't promise the same grade A humour that Rich has provided us with this morning, but I can definitely promise the word of God. I hope that's okay. Um, it doesn't have to be a trade-off. It might be funny as well, but um, Rich obviously is hilarious, so we, we can't uh, try and compete with that, but that's okay. So this morning, um, we are going to continue to take a look at our friends, the Israelites, who we've been following the journey of through the book of Numbers over the last number of weeks and months. But before we dive into Numbers 11, which you can turn to right now if you'd like to be prepared ahead of what we're going to read this morning, um, I'd just like us to have a little think for a moment about the Israelites. You know, these guys, they lived in Egypt for over 400 years. That's a long old time, 400 years. And when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, at that point, all of the people that were there, all they would have ever known for their whole life was slavery and oppression and hardship and intense labor day after day with very little let up. Of course, God and Moses led the people out of this and he had a plan to bring them into something much, much better, a much better life, a life of sign and wonder and miracle and provision and the testing and the teaching that would go along with all of this. And one such way that God brought about miraculous provision whilst testing and teaching the Israelites was by raining down this strange substance from heaven called manna. And in Exodus 16, we get the details of God saying to the people, look, you are to gather enough manna just for one day. One day at a time, you gather this manna and it's enough for a day. And the reason for this is that every day when the dew falls on the camp, I will rain down the manna with it. And so this was what God had told them to do, except on the sixth day, you should gather enough for two days because get this, on the seventh day, you get a rest. It's a bit like the two Sundays coming up. They get a rest and they, um, they don't have to gather any manna on that day. But this was a test to see if the Israelites would trust in and depend on God. And lo and behold, they tried to save too much for the next day on occasions. And the Bible says that it, it smelt horrible and it had worms in it. It sounds a little bit like what happened to our general waste bin a few weeks ago. And let me tell you, that was disgusting. So it sounds like that's what happened to the manor. Not good. Um, they also tried to gather some on the seventh day when God had told them to rest. But what do you know? There was nothing there. There was nothing for them to gather. And this manatastic lifestyle carried on for a number of weeks and months until eventually the Israelites, they got a grumbling. They started to grumble. And that's where we pick up the story in Numbers chapter 11 and verse 4. So let's take a look. It says, Contemptible people among them had a strong craving for other food. The Israelites cried again and said, Who will feed us meat? We remember the free fish we had in Egypt, along with the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic, but now our appetite is gone. There's nothing to look at but this manna. And then from verses 7 through to 17, you read that Moses looks around and the people are crying at the entrances of their tents, and Moses is having a really bad day, and he cries out to God. He says, God, what are we going to do? They're crying out for meat, and I don't know what we're going to do. Help, God. And in verse 18, God says to Moses, tell the people... Purify yourselves in readiness for tomorrow and you will eat meat because you cried before the Lord, who will feed us meat? We really had it good in Egypt. The Lord will give you meat and you'll eat. You will eat not for one day 
or two or five or 10 or 20 days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes nauseating to you. Can you imagine just a couple of sausages dangling out of the Israelites' nostrils? That's what I imagine it must have looked like. This is weird. Why? Because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and cried to him, why did we ever leave Egypt? But Moses replied to God, I'm in the middle of a people with 600,000 foot soldiers, but you say, I will give them meat and they'll eat for a whole month. If flocks and herds were slaughtered for them, would they have enough? Or if all of the fish of the sea were caught for them, would they have enough? The Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's power limited? You will see whether or not what I've promised will happen to you. And then in verse 31, we see exactly what happened. It says, a wind sent by the Lord came up and blew quail in from the sea. It dropped them at the camp all around three feet off the ground, about a day's journey in every direction. The people were up all that day and night and all the next day gathering quail. And the one who took the least gathered 50 bushels and they spread them out all around the camp. And while the meat was still between their teeth, before it was even chewed, the Lord's anger burnt against them. And the Lord struck them with a very severe plague and they named the place Kibroth Hatava, which means graves of craving, because there they buried the people who had craved the meat. Our mates, the Israelites, having a good old time in the wilderness. It's a weird story, isn't it? It's a strange story. Um, but what we have here is the story of a people who, overwhelmed by the uncertainty of the time that they lived in, failed to enjoy the fullness of what God had for them. They didn't live in the certainty that was there for them if they would have really known who God was, how much he loved them, how much they could depend on him. They wanted control over dependence and it didn't really work out too well for them. And I think, you know, uncertainty can overwhelm us in times that we live in, or certainty can allow us to overcome in the times we live in, but it depends how much control we want to have. Will we be control-grasping grumblers, or will we let go and lay hold of the certainty that God has for us and that we can bring to others. You know, when you go through something that is as uncertain and traumatic and abnormal as, I don't know, living in the desert or, I don't know, living in a global pandemic, there can be a pretty universally shared feeling of powerlessness. You can feel like you have no control over your health or even your life, your diary, your future. And I heard from someone recently that what almost all people do, regardless of their personality type, when they feel powerless, is grasp for control. People generally don't like feeling that they're not in control, do they? And so this uncertainty, which leads to this feeling of powerlessness and this lack of control, can bring about in us attitudes and actions that are our attempts to regain some sort of control. It might be that we get caught up in conspiracy theories, thinking that what's going on is actually not real so that at least we can stay in some sort of control. Or it might be that we have an obsessive reading of the news time after time after time after time every day so that we can know what's going on and predict the future so that we can at least say that we have some sort of control. Or you know, it could be like a really excessive investment in diet or exercise or organization or routine 
to try and bring order and at least in some areas of our life, regain some kind of control. All of this can ring true, can't it? And it rang true for the Israelites too. They were living in a time of great uncertainty and they definitely weren't in control. And so there were certain attitudes that reared their ugly heads as the Israelites attempted to regain some kind of control of the situation. And Numbers 11 highlights a couple of these for us that we've just read. And I think that these couple of things might actually be quite pertinent for us today. The first is a nostalgic longing to go back to normal. And the second is a never enough sort of attitude. A nostalgic longing to go back to normal and a never enough sort of attitude. Of course, God wanted the Israelites to let go of both of these things so that they could lay hold of the much better things he had for them to live in the certainty of. But they didn't really do too great a job, did they? But you know what? If we can recognise this and we can today lay hold of what God was willing and wanting the Israelites to lay hold of back then, we can live in truly certain times. So here we go. Just two points, two very simple points. They sound actually really complicated, but they use alliteration and stuff, which I hear is cool to do in a preach, so I've gone with that. It's the only way to go. So here we go. Number one, let go of nostalgic normality to lay hold of the purposeful present. I'm going to say it again, just in case you missed it. Let go of nostalgic normality to lay hold of the purposeful present. When we're overwhelmed by uncertainty, we can try to get control by wishing back the good old days, back when things were normal. The trouble is, we can find ourselves to be so desperate for some sort of familiarity that we can end up with a nostalgic or even a deluded view of the past. We can end up craving for what used to be normal, even if that normal wasn't actually good for us. Remember the Israelites, verse 5? Remember the free fish we ate in Egypt? What about the onions and the garlic and the melons? <laughs> in verse 18 and 20, when Moses re is recounting what the, um, the Israelites have said, why did we ever leave Egypt? We had it so good in Egypt. You just think, come on, guys. But you know what? Despite their slavery, their oppression, their hardship, the Israelites were asking to be taken back to what they knew as normal. Uncertainty was uncomfortable and kind of itchy and unsettling and weird, but normality was so comfy and cosy and homely. And this brought a righteous anger to God because the Israelites were talking in a nostalgic way about Egypt, identifying it as their home and wistfully longing to be back there. They were blind to reality. And God wanted them to understand that he was their home. He was their comfort. He was their provider. He was the one they could depend on. And this can be so true for us today. We can look back at things and think, oh, if only it was like this. If only we had this back. You know, if only we had the, 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 the time and the meetings and the people and the, the, the spending too much money on this, that and the other and traveling here and there for no reason and all this, that. And you know what? Some of that stuff really wasn't very good for us. But we can have these rose-tinted glasses looking back and have a distorted view of what was normal. If we won't let go of a nostalgic longing for the past, 
Or get this, if we just stay static waiting until the future arrives, we will massively miss out on the purposeful present that God has for us. We need to let go of nostalgic normality to lay hold of the purposeful present. Because it's in the purposeful present that there is so much certainty for us. And there's so much certainty that we can bring to others as well. It's as we press into and depend on God today that we are assured of who he is and of his incredible consistencies in his nature. He's always good. He's always faithful. He's always sovereign. He always provides. He always cares. And these truths bring us such incredible peace, hope, assurance and certainty. Amen. And it's in this purposeful present as we press into God today that he points us to who we are in him. We are a people of peace, hope, assurance and certainty. And being confident in this doesn't merely allow us to rise above the situation that we're in, saying, oh, you know, well, I'll just enjoy this certainty that I'm living in while you go on being overwhelmed by the uncertainty of the times. Not at all. We do rise above, but you know, we have within us the ability to help others in the situation as well, to be people of certainty and bring people into that. We, the church, are the vehicle of God's plan and purposes being outworked, not just yesterday, not just tomorrow, but today. And we might ask, well, what is God's plan and purpose for the earth today? What, what does it look like for me to live in the goodness of God's plan and purposes in this very moment? Well, let me suggest this. God's plan and purpose is that his kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. And God's plan and purpose is that all things work together for good. There's more beside, but those two things are so important for us today because both of those things really heavily involve us. So what does it look like to live in line with God's plan and purpose in this present moment, if that's what it means? Well, one thing we can do, one thing we should do, one thing I am certain and that I can live in the certainty of today and do is pray just as Jesus taught me to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's so simple, but so profound. We know that in heaven, in the restoration of all things, there is no sickness. There is no pain, there is no suffering, there is no death. So when I pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you know what? I'm praying, Lord, let coronavirus be wiped out in the name of Jesus. I'm praying, Lord, let there be no more pain. Let there be no more sickness. Let there be no more death in the name of Jesus because your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I am certain that that is how God wants me to pray at this moment. But you know what? I am also certain that all things will work together for good. I am certain that whilst we are in the situation that we're in, God can and will use us to bring about good in ourselves and in others around us. He wants us to get alongside others and help them through this situation as well. Romans 8.28 tells us, doesn't it, that we know all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purposes. So you know what? We are absolutely not, we're completely not, called to sit still and wait for the future to arrive or to sit still wishing the past would return. God will use us in this time. You know what? Matthew 5 tells us that we're the salt of the earth. 
It means that we can draw out flavour in other people. It means that we can bring wholeness to other people. It means that we can embody holiness to other people. And if you want more information about that, there's a fantastic preach by William Lyon on the 13th of September of this year, which you can listen back to so easily on Spotify. But seriously, we are born for such a time as this. We hear that in Esther 4, verse 14. You're born for such a time of this as this. And Pauline Bennett told me that a few weeks ago. She said, you are born for such a time as this. And Pauline, you're absolutely right. We are born for such a time as this. We are born for the future when we prepare for the future. We were born for the times we lived in in the past. But you know what? Right now, we were born for such a time as this to pray that coronavirus would end absolutely, but to absolutely make the most of this situation while we're in it, to be creative, innovative, caring, pastoral, helping to bring healing and health to those around us, to point people to Jesus and show them a better life that God has for them. So that's the first point. And if you like that one, here's another. Point two, let go of never enoughness to lay hold of abiding in abundance. Let go of never enoughness to lay hold of abiding in abundance. Because, you know, when we're overwhelmed by uncertainty, we can fail to see God for who he truly is, namely the God of abundance. And if we fail to see his abundance, then we can be tricked into believing that what God has for us isn't actually enough. We can feel powerless and out of control because of the uncertainty of a situation. And this can lead us to adopt an attitude of never enoughness. It was definitely true for the Israelites. God had given them this amazing manna, which according to the word, tasted like these amazing pastries that were cooked up. But you know, in verse four of the chapter we read, it says that they were craving for other food. And in verse six, they say, there's nothing to look at but this manna. The Israelites were saying that what God had done for them wasn't enough. And this really, really mattered to God. It was incredibly important to God whether they would allow his provision of manna to satisfy them. And do you know why that was? God's provision of heavenly bread was not just a temporary measure. It was a foreshadow of a permanent, better way. Have a look in John chapter 6 and verse 30 to 35. Turn it up if you like, or it will be on the screen as well. It says in those verses, John 6, 30 to 35. What sign are you going to do so we may see and believe you, they asked. What are you going to perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, I assure you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the real bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, oh, sir, give us this bread always. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. That's why it's so important that the Israelites got this and why it angered God so much when they didn't. It was pointing towards what life with Jesus is like, a life of daily dependence and guidance and trust. But you know, still, God in his amazing grace gives them the meats that they ask for. 
And I love that while he is doing so in an almost kind of funny way, he's really, really abundant. <laughs> in verse 19, we read, he says, you will eat and not for one day or two or five or 10 or 20, but for a whole month. And so much so that it will become nauseating to you and you'll have sausages poking out your nostrils. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? That's not word for word, by the way. That's my own kind of interpretation of that verse. It's kind of funny, isn't it? But you know what's really not funny is what is said next, which is because you have rejected the Lord who is among you. God's saying, you haven't seen that what I have for you is more than sufficient for you. You haven't seen that I am the God of abundance and you're asking for more, but not more of what you need, aka me, God, but more of what you think you need. They won't let go of this never enoughness to lay hold of abiding in his abundance. And it's not just the people, but Moses as well. In verse 21, we read that Moses says to God, you know what, I'm in the middle of a people with 600,000 soldiers and God, you're saying you're going to provide meat and not just provide meat, but for a whole month. And if we slaughtered all of the, the flocks and the herds, would that be enough? Or what about all of the fish in the sea? Would that be enough? Moses is basically saying to God, where on earth am I supposed to get this amount of provision? And God replies in verse 23 and he says, is the Lord's power limited? You will see whether or not what I promise will happen. He's basically saying, Moses, you're asking what, where on earth? But let me tell you, you're asking the wrong question and you're looking in the wrong place because the earth will never, ever satisfy what you're asking for. Only the God in heaven can ultimately satisfy you. And you know what? That is the word of God for someone today. The earth will never, ever satisfy your longing, which only an infinite God can satisfy. There is a longing in your heart for something more and the next car and the next promotion and the bigger house and the more influence and the greater success will not satisfy that longing. God in heaven is reaching out his hand to you today. His heart is for you. And he can satisfy that longing that's in you today. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you and his arms are open to you this morning. If you will accept him and let him in, make him the Lord of your life and follow him. He will save your life. He will bring you into an eternity with his son. He'll bring you into his kingdom. He'll give you a brand new life. A life of peace and hope and assurance and certainty in his kingdom is available for you today. If you will reach out to Jesus and say, come, lead my life. Let me be your son. You know, when the meat finally arrives, the people still haven't learnt this lesson of daily dependence. They haven't learned that this promise of provision for them every day was a certainty. And so they go out and they gather the quail, but not just enough for the day. They gather so much that everyone's got a ridiculous amount of this stuff and it's spread all over the camp. And before they've even eaten it, while it's just in their mouth, God is so angry with them. They refuse to trust that God had daily provision for them. They wouldn't let go of never enoughness to lay hold of abiding in his abundance. But the fantastic news is that we absolutely can. We can live in certain times by abiding in God's abundance. And I think just briefly, there's a couple of things that we can do to do that. And again, the prayer that we read in Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer is so helpful for us because a couple of verses later, it says this, give us today our daily bread. And I think I had always thought of that as, you know, Lord, today feed me from your word. And it is that, it, it, it is that, absolutely. But it's so much more. 
If Jesus is the bread of heaven, then we can really go to work with this prayer and we can say, Lord, Jesus, give me today of your abundance. Give, give me today of your uh, provision for me, of your revelation, of your peace that you have. Lord, give to me of your health, of your power to heal others. Lord, give me a dependence in you today, an abiding in you today, a walking with you, a, an ability to be guided by you. all of these things that we know of Jesus and who he is and how we can relate to him. Lord, give me my daily bread. Give me you today, Lord. Give me all that I need of you. And then we have this wonderful promise to back it up. 1 John 5, 14 to 15 says, now this is the confidence we have before him. Whatever we ask, whenever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked for. God hears that prayer, that prayer, Lord, give me today my daily bread. It's so in line with what he wants for us. He hears it and he is ready to answer it. And the second thing and the final thing I wanted to say that how we can abide in the abundance that God has for us is by seeking God and knowing God. If we wind back nine months or so, God spoke to me and he said, Will, you need to really seek me in this time because you need to really know me. And I thought, well, that sounds simple enough, but what God was really saying is, put your roots down deep, deep, deep into who I am. Be so assured of who I am. Be so certain of who I am, of what my promises are, of, of who I've made you to be. Because he showed me a picture of a, a crop that was rooted in the ground. And the deeper the roots went, the stronger the wind of the Spirit could blow on this crop to push it in the direction that he wanted to take it into. And he said to me that the deeper your roots go, the stronger I will be able to blow you into the purposes I have. And I really believe that God is a God of abundance for us today and that he has abundance for us and he will push us and, and take us into his abundance as we seek him and know him, as we are rooted down deep into who God is. He has the ability to, to not uproot us by pushing us into the excitement and all that he has for us to come. So, you know, there is much for us to do today. As I hope you have picked up, there's, there's much that we can do to make the most of the purposeful present and to abide in his abundance. And it comes by letting go of a couple of things. Ultimately, it's a letting go of control because guess what? God is in control. God is in control. And so I just wanted to read this psalm in closing. It's not on the screen for you, um, but I, the reason for that is I wanted to ask if you would mind closing your eyes while I read this because I think this... Um, will be really helpful for us just as we finish off. It's Psalm 84, and I just pray, Lord Jesus, that by your Holy Spirit, your word would speak to everyone that hears this right now, Lord, that you would give us a greater assurance in who you are, that we would live in certain times because we're so rooted, we're so satisfied, we're so abiding in your presence today, Lord, that we live each day guided by you, depending on you and trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of hosts. I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home and a swallow a nest for herself where she places her young near your altars, Lord of hosts, my King and my God. How happy are those who reside in your house, who praise you continually. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. 
As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a source of spring water. Even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Each appears before God in Zion. Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Listen, God of Jacob, consider our shield, God. Look on the face of your anointed one. Better a day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be at the door of the house of my God than to live in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. Lord of hosts, happy is the person who trusts in you. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.